like. I mean, it's uh, he inhabits a kind of dark and dreary world. You know, he's a homicide detective. We know that Bosch has helped LAPD recruiting. Life and death, love and hate, frustration and anger, intelligence and intensity, but there's always a dogged determination. Y'all, you deserve professional hair color that makes you look your gorgeous best delivered right to your door. You can take your hair coloring at home to the next level with Madison Reed, and it starts at just $22. Women have had two options for coloring their hair for decades. That at-home color you got out of a box that's outdated or going to the time and expense of a traditional salon. Many clients of Madison Reed comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women love their gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy-looking hair. This is game-changing color you can do at home. And you'll look like you just came out of the salon. Madison Reed color is unique because it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones. And they create over 55 gorgeous, multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Best case, worst case listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code BESTCASE. That's code BESTCASE. Hello, and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, former New York City prosecutor, retired FBI profiler, and writer-producer on CBS's Criminal Minds. And with me today is... Hi, everybody. It's Francie Hakes, former state and federal prosecutor. Jim, I'm fangirling out. Yes, you are, I'm sure. Because we have an extremely special guest today... I'm Titus Welliver, and I don't sound nearly as cool as you do. <laughs> uh, I play Harry Bosch on the Amazon Prime Video series Bosch. Play an LAPD All right, let's hear homicide detective. And I see all my LAPD brothers and sisters at all in the house, which always makes me very happy. Bless you all. Bless everyone here. For what you do so thank you it's a privilege to be here well thank you so much for being here and jim as i'm sure our listeners can now hear we are once again live it's very exciting always to do a live episode it's freakishly exciting to have titus welliver and everyone who can't see us right now who's listening i'm literally sitting next to bosch so this is very <laughs> exciting I'll try not to get too obnoxious and beg for, you know, autographs and things like that while we're recording, but I can't promise afterward. But what's also exciting is our studio audience, Jim. Yes, we have before us hundreds of dedicated professionals from the L.A. area, LAPD and related professionals. Thank you for being here. Sex crimes investigators and related professionals. Uh, Thank you for what you do. So let's launch right into it. Titus, can you tell us who is Harry Bosch? Harry Bosch is a LAPD uh, homicide detective. He is a native son, uh, which is pretty unusual in LA. Everybody seems to be from someplace else. But he's a true native son of LA, works Hollywood. He's a closer and He's, he's, he's my hero. He's my hero. He's the kind of cop that if a person was a victim of a crime, they would want a detective like Harry Bosch investigating because he's, he's relentless. Having been uh, a victim of a crime, his mother was murdered when he was a kid, which informed his choice to become 
a police officer, and I think uh, a great detective. He, uh, he's a guy who doesn't suffer fools. Um, he is not corrupt. He has a flawless uh, moral compass. He just bends the rules a little bit sometimes, <laughs> which places him at odds with command. They may not necessarily like him, but when the chips come down, he's the guy, he's the go-to guy, because they know he will, he will not stop until he, he gets the bad guy. Well, and Titus, this is such a sort of a Hollywood kind of a question, but you've been an actor a long time. I recently really saw you. A long time. Uh, I, recently saw, <laughs> I recently saw an SVU playing the other side of the fence, playing a bad guy, yeah. uh, and doing it quite convincingly, which worried me a little bit, I have to say. <laughs> um, is Bosch the fa- you know, like your favorite character you've ever played? Yeah, without a question. I mean, it's, you know, Bosch is the kind of character that, you know, I think every actor, in the beginning of your career, all you want to do is work. You know, even if you get paid $10, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, the, the you, you do what you love. And that's why, you know, as a young man, I made the completely irresponsible choice to become an actor rather than becoming a police officer. But it's, it's a character... I, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's not, he's, a, he's an anti-hero. So in that way, he's not necessarily, you know, like a lot of the cop characters that we all grew up watching on TV that were kind of white-hatted, heroic guys. He, you know, he does not play well with others, um, but he's a righteous dude. Um, and he's a loving father, but he's a very haunted guy. He's very human. So it, as an actor, it makes him very interesting to play because... He is the anti-hero. He is, he's against the odds, but what makes him compelling is the fact that he does heroic things, but in the true sense of the word hero, which is what, what first responders, police officers do. They make the ultimate sacrifice. They don't think about themselves. They are the guys that, and women who run into the burning buildings, who run into the line of fire to save people's lives, who compromise a lot of their own personal lives, you know, miss ball games, school plays, you know, casualties of divorce, broken families, because they have given themselves to the service of society. And there's nothing more noble than that. So what's not to like? I mean, it's, uh, he inhabits a kind of dark and dreary world. You know, he's a homicide detective. He's He's meeting with people at the worst possible time of their lives or the end of their lives. But he, he, he just, I, 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 I love this guy. I love him. He's, so, and he's cranky and he's real. He's not, he's not necessarily charming. He, he, he doesn't want to be everybody's best friend. He, what he really wants to do is raise his kid and do his job and, and stack bad guys' souls, right? Yeah. Will you play him as long as they let you? As long as they'll have me. And as you can see, the color of my hair, at least on my head, not on my beard. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to lie to you about that. Ladies, you can't say anything (laughs) at all because you know where you go once a month. (laughs) Okay? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I see a few officers here whose mustache color doesn't exactly match what's up top here. So... So I'm just saying, I, I won't fold under questioning, but full disclosure, yeah, I dye my beard. See, this is what Jim and I do. We got him to admit that. It's We're good amazing. cross-examiners. You see, that's right. You got me in a spot. 
You didn't so, even have to use a bright light. Yeah. So my friends in LAPD Homicide love Bosch and your character. And I have to say, that's not a normal thing for cops who actually do the work to love the shows that depict them. It's very rare, and I want to know how you pull that off. Well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, because Michael Connolly, uh, having been a, a, a crime beat reporter, in the process of writing these books, he does a lot of, has done a lot of research. He has a lot of close ties with LAPD, great relationships um, with the department, and his depiction of cops, good, bad, and indifferent, it's accurate. And one of the things that we discussed that was really paramount to the success of the show and what made me really want to do it as well was that we were doing a show that was real, that was, was grounded, and we have really good, uh, we have the best. We, we have two RHD, uh, Mitzi Roberts and Tim Marsha, who are our technical advisors, and they are, to me, you know, the barometer, and they work very closely with the writers. I mean, there are times where, and we also, by the way, 90% of the time when you see scenes, certainly out in the field on a scene, those cops are mostly real cops, which is the other thing that, that was, a, was a really smart decision was, you know, cops move a certain way. And when you have, when you're surrounded by real police officers, it, it's grounded. Um, I think what, what I've sort of gathered from the um, officers that I, I have uh, and detectives that I'm in contact with that outside of the show, um, and I joked with the cop one time because he said, you know, I love the show. And I said, I, I, I don't understand. You know, this is what you do for a living. You, you, you go to work, you punch in the clock, you're working a case all day, and then you come home and you're going to watch Bosch, you're going to watch a show that's... And I said, well, how, you know, what is it? And he said, well, I, I can't watch these other cop shows because they're ridiculous. I mean, there's, there's, they're entertainment, but I can't watch them because they're not accurate. And that's sort of... Um, Categorically, we we get it right, and and we strive very hard to get it right, and and that's why we you know we're very dedicated in that way. Because while it might seem mundane, you know, certainly to the layman, people who who don't work in law enforcement, what they don't understand is that it's not like it is on TV when you watch a CSI or something like that. You know, it's always the thing of uh, you know the cop catches the case. They work the case enough until they can, you know, make an arrest. They make an arrest, and you've got, you know, the prosecution's working the case as so they're working the case, and then, you know, by the end of the show, they're they're incarcerated. And end of story. That's just not how life works. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> there's a tremendous amount of banality in police work. Um, the endless looking and and relooking and banging on doors and canvassing. It's just. It's a tremendous amount of work, and it doesn't get resolved in an hour. Right. And, uh, you know, we have done seasons where it's taken place in a week, the entire season, but we don't work that way. Harry catches a case at the beginning of the season and uh, typically doesn't close the case until the end of the season. And sometimes it's left open. I mean, for instance, the, uh, the end of this season, season five, 
there is a there's a case that comes to Harry's attention, a homicide of a young woman. And that's not he's you know he's gonna go after this case. This is a case that was was not solved and that's the kind of thing that really bothers Harry. So stay tuned because you know he's gonna he's gonna go after it. Well and just for our listeners, I asked Titus not to spoil this season because I haven't gotten all the way through yet. So he's not gonna tell us everything that's happening this season. Bosch lives. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. I can say thank God. So it's interesting because Jim likes to talk about how Criminal Minds uh, helped FBI recruiting, and especially into the BAU, the Behavioral Analysis Unit. We know that Bosch has helped LAPD recruiting. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the fact that your portrayal may be helping law enforcement not only recruit, but with their public image? Well, I, I, I hope it's, I'm not in any way responsible for that. You're going to have a lot of insubordinate, <laughs> uh, problematic uh, detectives in the future. I, I, I think perhaps what it is is it's the humanity of this character is that he's a real person. He's flawed, like all people are. I often joke with when there's some sort of minutia, like, for instance, um, most detectives that you see, homicide, robbery, homicide, they're very pulled together. They're wearing a suit and a tie. They're very pulled together. Rick Jackson, who's retired from LAPD, he was RHD, and Tim and Mitzi, when you see them, they're completely pulled together. I said, well, look, we start shooting in August, and I don't want to wear a jacket and tie in August because it's 125 degrees. Every- you know, by the way, he works Hollywood homicide, so we're not shooting at the beach. You know, it's Boyle Heights when it's 105 degrees, and it's just, you know, and that, that wonderful smell, the, the aromas that you get from these places. Um, but I have a lot of tattoos. And so I spoke to Connolly, and I said, you know, I really rather, the difference in the books is that I want Harry to be a guy who doesn't think about his clothes. He's not about that. And it's not that he's, it's not that cops that dress well are wrong. I mean, there's, there is a presentation, and, and, um, which is important. But that I wanted him to be a guy who kind of rolled out of bed, took a shower, and just grabbed a shirt and a pair of pants. And, you know, he wears work boots. I mean, and, and his people always say, oh, he always has his sleeves rolled up. And I say, yeah, that's a metaphor because, you know, when you go to work, you roll up your sleeves. And there was a skipper, it was uh, prior to Corey Palka at Hollywood, who was giving me a hard time about all my tattoos. He said, you know, if you were working in my station, you'd be wearing a jacket to cover all that ink. You look like a banger. So I went, oh, I got a great idea. So we did one little scene where the, the uh, interim captain who was played by a friend of mine, Brooke Smith. Bosch is walking by and she says, detective, roll down your sleeves. And Bosch says, huh? She says, roll down your sleeves. I don't want to see that ink in my office. Either roll down your sleeves or get a wire brush. <laughs> it, but that's the, you know, that's the connection with the, with the, the that reality. kind of stuff happens. Yeah. And I go, oh my God, that's gold. We got to use that. Yeah. 
um, on the show. I've totally lost track of uh, well, that's okay. I was what just, the question was. I, I, that's Sorry. okay. I was just going to say you image. You asked me what time it is. I tell you how to make a watch. That's okay. Image, image is so important. I mean, as a prosecutor, and as um, the, these guys heard me speak earlier and could probably tell, um, aggressive is a word that has been used uh, about me. Don't say anything, Jim. Um, before, and so what I wore to court mattered, yeah. uh, especially in the South. It was important for me while I was a hard-charging, aggressive prosecutor to wear pastel colors, right? So that the jury wouldn't fail to threaten. I mean, that's just the, that's just the nature of being a woman in the South. But that is such a, a part of Bosch that you've developed. And so while my question was about how does it make you feel to know that you've helped recruiting with LAPD, what you're saying is, is while the image might not be what you think uh, LAPD should emulate, nonetheless, people are finding it worthy of emulation so much that they're joining LAPD. Well, I think, look, in that regard, you know, people say, oh, when did you decide you wanted to become an actor? And I say, shortly after I realized that I wasn't going to be a police officer or a fireman. So, you know, as kids, we look up to uh, law enforcement. You know, uh, I grew up in, in a neighborhood in the Lower East Side of, of New York called Alphabet City. And back then, we had beat cops, real, real beat cops. You knew these guys. They knew you. They were almost to a certain degree de facto parents. We had a relationship. And if you were doing wrong, which we were doing a lot of wrong um, back then, you know, if your parents weren't around, it, typically the beat cop was going to was going to find out. And you know, I on, on more than one occasion as a kid, I got tuned up by by the the beat cop, and and my parents gave him permission to do so. And uh, but there was respect, right? There was respect. You realize that these people were in the service of of protecting us, not only from people who would seek to do us harm, but from us doing harm to ourselves. And if those stats are real, I'm, I am flattered and very humbled by that because I think particularly now in this day and age, um, you know, there's a lot of bad people out there doing a lot of bad things. And we need, you know, people who are, who are moral and who, and who are committed to doing this because this, not, this work is not for everybody. It's a, it's a huge sacrifice, and in that way, uh, you know, it's it, it, and it must be done, right? That's the social contract that we have. We enlist the aid of people to protect us from people who would do us harm, and and yet when people have to take extreme measures, uh, there's a part of society that says, "Oh well, now we're gonna now we're gonna come after you for doing this thing." Well, you, you guess what? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Bad guys don't play by the rules. And, and law enforcement is, uh, you know, they have to maintain the code of law. Um, and that's a very, I could not be a police officer for that reason. I do not have the temperament to do that. I would, uh, I would last about 10 minutes on the job and they, you know, in, within an hour, there would be about 20 officer involved shootings and they would say, <laughs> Titus, you know what? Maybe this isn't your call. Hey y'all, America has fallen in love with Best Fiends, the five-star rated mobile puzzle game. I love the bright colors and the visual style of Best Fiends. 
I love blasting away at the bad guys and using the fun leaves and the fruit and the gemstones. And of course, I'm such a girl, the gold. It's the characters and the challenging and fun puzzles that keep me interested in this whenever I have a few minutes to kill, when I'm waiting in line, when I'm sitting on a plane. The characters are bugs and slugs, and it is a lot of fun. It's a totally different kind of puzzle experience. You can actually solve thousands of fun puzzles, collect tons of cute characters, and the epic storyline will keep you engaged with this mobile puzzle game. Best Fiends is the game to play. It's five-star rated on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. There are over 90 million downloads globally. You can play offline anywhere. You can solve thousands of fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Best Fiends is a five-star rated mobile game on the Apple App Store and Google Play. You can download it for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Hey, y'all. It's time for spring cleaning. Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes twice a day can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mind. The whole family can now get refreshed with Quip. The new kid's Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as our original version with no childish gimmicks so they can brush just like a grown-up. The new kid's version is tweaked for size-down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels just like the products the adults in their life use. And then they're proud to use Quip just like these adults. Help your kids develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks. I love the sensitive sonic vibrations. They're an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums. Because did you know you can brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive? I love Quip. And that's also why over a million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash best case right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T. Quip.com slash best case. So you mentioned beat cops, and is there or was there any particular cop or cops who who inspired you when you were a kid or coming up or becoming an actor? Well, they when I was doing wrong, they would terrify me, and there was always the thing of you want to go to reform school, you know, you want to no, I don't, I don't want to go to wow, I don't know. <laughs> That sounds kind of cool. Which is always the, the idiot kid, right? My father used to say, Titus, you're, you're, you're an Irish kid. You're never going to be a made member of La Cosa Nostra, right? much to my chagrin, because I saw The Godfather too many times. But um, at, at one point in my 20s, after sort of a couple of uneventful semesters in, in college, as I was studying to be an actor, I thought, you know, I've always, I always considered becoming a cop. So I took the civil servants exam. And this is not to brag, but I, I got a perfect score on this thing. And, and good. there must have been a lot of bucket heads out there because <laughs> I, was, I was literally getting calls. So, you know, we want to go over your things, et cetera, et cetera. And I grew up around, surrounded by people on the job. So I went and, and, and had a consultation with a gentleman, John Marley, who's no longer with us, but was on the job until they literally kind of had to throw him out. I mean, just not not really throw him out, but you know, he he stayed as long as he possibly could. And so I I sought his advice, and he'd known me since I was a little kid. And he had been at the ninth precinct, 
So I knew all these cops, and he said, look, here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want to be a cop, uh, I'll be your rabbi. And here's what you want to do. You want to, you want to, you want to put in your time, but ultimately you want to, you want to go. The career path should be to Gold Shield. You want to, because I want to be a homicide detective. That was my. If I was going to be a cop, I wanted to go all the way. And he said, uh, "I want you to think about it." I said, "Yeah, I'll sleep on it." He said, "No, no, I don't want you to sleep on it. I want you to take a couple of weeks. I want you to really, really think about it. this. Is what you want to do? Because this isn't. Uh, this is a life choice, right?" And I thought about it, and after a couple of weeks, I came back to him. He said, so what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I think I'm going to stay in school, and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to pursue my career as an actor. And, and if it doesn't necessarily pan out, um, I'll, come, I'll come back to this. And he said, okay, I support that. Here's the good news. If you do succeed as an actor, you might make a few more dollars than you would as a cop. And the bullets in the blood are fake. So that was for me. Now, the irony of that is that throughout my career, I played a lot of cops. And, and I attribute um, my ability to do so because I feel like I have been uh, very closely connected to police officers my entire life that I have, having not been on the job, I, I have an understanding of the psychology and, and what it takes to to portray a police officer. Do you feel like the success of the show first, but secondly, you know, law enforcement, your law enforcement audience, do you feel a pressure to get it right or are you just doing your job and you're glad everybody likes it? No, I feel, it's not, a, I don't feel the pressure. I feel a responsibility to get it right. And it's the same, I mean, I always feel like if you're gonna play a doctor, lawyer, merchant chief, you know, do your homework, you know, don't, don't come in and, and half-ass it because that to me is offensive and I've you know it's there, there's a lot of it there's there's the physicality there's the there's the tactics um, I think it's I think it's important to get it right I see stuff on television and in movies weapons handling or sometimes there'll be a crime scene and I'll go well, that's great. Well, they just blew this case because you got guys in here, they're walking all over evidence and, and they're touching things. And my kids will go, Dad, just watch the movie. Just, and I say, you don't understand. You see, this, this guy would get yoked out of there. This guy would get dinged. These two patrolmen are idiots. They're, they're you know, they're, they're so green. I don't know who their TO is, but he needs to get dinged um, to the point where, yeah, it's probably not as much fun as it used to be to watch movies with dad because they, half the things I say, they go, what, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> dad, what, 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 what does that word mean? No, never mind, never mind. Just I'll, I'll watch the show. But I also, you know, I'll get up and walk out of the room. I mean, if it just becomes so glaringly apparent to me, because my attitude about it is, how much more time does it take to get it right? It's not that hard to get it right. A, you implement really good technical advisors. And then you have someone there who's doing the checks and balances all the time. And that's the one thing that I get from, from you know, the cops on the street. And I have a lot of interaction. I get pulled over, by the way, by cops just to mess with me. <laughs> or I'll have cops pull up to me and it, I've, I've had, you know, other people behind us. I'm, I'm, you know, neck and neck with a Shamu. I'm in my car and we're like, ah, we're bantering. 
totally breaking the law being, you know, I mean, we might as all, we should be texting. That's how <laughs> distracted we are. I'm not naming any officers. Okay, they're Santa Monica PD, all right, just so you know. Um, I think there's a few here, by the way. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Culver City PD, no, 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 anyway. Um, by the way, they're here too. Yeah. <laughs> San Fernando PD. Uh, <laughs> But they'll literally, they'll shout out. One day I was talking to these two officers. Hey, Harry, what are you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? We're driving. And there's a lady behind us, and she's leaning on her horn. And she starts swearing at us. Get the blankety-blank out of the way. I, I, I say, did you hear that? And they go, yeah, yeah. Can't you? They go, well, we are kind of being stupid. Anyway, have a great day. Have a better one, brother. <laughs> and away we go. That's awesome. Well, one of the things that Francie and I love about the show and your character, and I think most law enforcement do as well, is the complexity of the character that you play. So there's life and death, love and hate, frustration and anger, intelligence and intensity, but there's always a dogged determination to find justice, no matter how elusive. I want to know how you pull that off with so few words. You know, I, I, when, I when I first met Michael Connelly and we started to talk about him, you know, in the books, I mean, that's the, you, you have the luxury of the narrative, right? The Connelly describes what's going through Harry Bosch's head. He's not verbalizing it, but, but Michael is, is explaining the narrative, that internal narrative. And, you know, the thing about Bosch is that this is a guy, he's an observer. He's in a constant state of observation. I mean, he's a guy, and I think so many cops, 99.9% .9 of the cops that I know are this way, right? They can't walk into a store without scoping it. They're clocking things all the time. It's head is on a swivel. And so you have the, the, those great moments where, where we find Bosch in the books where he's looking over a murder book and he's by himself, and there's, but there is no dialogue. And I said to Eric Overmeyer and Michael Connolly, I said, you know, this is gonna be tricky, but I really would like to be able to have those moments People might change the channel. I think that was initially the the concern was that you know the, who wants to sit and watch a guy with a murder book and a glass of scotch in his hand, contemplating this stuff. But you know the odd part of that is a those are the most interesting scenes for me to act, and so many fans of the show really like those scenes. And I, I suppose at first my feelings were hurt because I was like, hey, I'm not talking, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but the truth is that the translation of that is that there's a lot going on and the audience knows what's going on because, and that's the, also the, the, the credit there really can go to the editing, right? Because we're intercutting with Bosch sitting there looking at the murder book, the way that the, the specific images that are, that are pulled from those shots of the victim and or the crime scene makes for some some compelling stuff but he's look I, mean, I think it goes back I don't mean to repeat myself but he's he's human right he's fallible he's got a temper right and he's I, I don't know I mean we as in, in society most of us to a certain degree we kind of subscribe to the societal norms of politeness right come into a room you want to be polite gregarious maybe leave the room and Somebody says, well, that was a nice guy. That was a nice gal, right? Harry Bosch doesn't subscribe to that. <laughs> Harry Bosch kind of says, this is me. This is who I am, warts and all. He's not trying to make an impression. He wants to do his job. And so when you have a person who's like that, who, who is myopic, because his, his, 
his life is his work, you know. And I think that I think that uh, that cops get that because that that that's part of the job. But one of the things that your character does <clears throat> is have to deal with the fact that his work interferes with his life, invades his life, and in fact, really tears apart his family. Well. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he is myopic in that way. And I think because he is kind of a lone wolf, right? He's a guy who's, he's a guy you'd want to have a beer with. You know, there's, he, he's not humorless. He's got a sense of humor. He's funny. He's, he can be cantankerous, but, but he's a knock around guy. I mean, stand up, he'd be fun. But uh, yeah, and look, once again, I mean, police officers uh, get divorced because they're, you know, there's a, there's a casualty, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of cops who talk about trying to find that balance, which is really, really, uh, it, which is difficult. You know, you're out there, you're dealing with, with the bad stuff in the world. So you come home and, you know, what are you going to talk about? Oh, how was your day? Well, you know, it was a triple homicide or, you know, there was a child that was raped and murdered. I mean, that's, you're not having that conversation over the meatloaf. So at a certain point, how do, you, how do you relate to people? You can relate to other cops because they understand, they know, but civilians don't get it. They get, their perception is that of which they see on television. And they think that, that cops are just hard, that they're able to close themselves off from their emotions. That's bullshit. I, I, I have asked this question of so many, and they, you do not detach from your humanity. And, that, and that's the other thing that becomes, which we deal with a lot, Harry's, Harry's inability to trust happiness. There was a line that I wrote a couple seasons ago where Harry's, you know, he's this very, very overprotective parent for that reason. And he was trying to illustrate to his daughter, because she's kind of trying to back him off and saying, let me breathe a little bit, all right? I, you know, have some faith in me, trust me. It, it's, it's a very direct line he says you know what Maddie the world is not your friend and the world is not your friend and no and it's so true I mean as a prosecutor I like a cop I see well I see sex offenders everywhere you know I see someone yank a child in a grocery store and I'm like all over it. I'm wondering is this shit do I need to call defects do I need to call 911 I mean I you can't help but see sex if, if you specialize in crimes against children or sex crimes like most of the people in this room do you see sex offenders everywhere you can't help it no, I do too. And I am, am being a parent, you know, one of the other reasons that I could not be uh, in law enforcement is that, um, and this is my personal opinion, not opinion, this is my credo. A crime against a child is uh, an immediate forfeiture of life, right? That's, that's just me. Um, and I'm also, uh, I have an issue with sex crimes sex is a beautiful thing sex is a consensual act between two human beings rape is not sex rape is an act of violence don't get me started um you guys are out there you deal with this uh, i don't know how you do it but i'm glad you're out there doing it because uh the, the, uh, these perpetrators need to be stopped and or incarcerated, of course. Uh, and if they 
this is me talking again, just to be clear. If they can't be incarcerated, well, read between the lines what I'm saying. Here's the bottom. That's why I'm not a police officer, because I would be like the Punisher on TV, right? the well, judge, jury, and executioner. You know, probably for your own good, we're going to stop this line Odyssey of inquiry. <laughs> I blew it. I blew but, it. No, Sorry, that's guys. Fine. That's okay. You know no. what? I, 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 I have to be honest about that, and, and it's... It's part of my code. I will not play. I'm an actor. You know, I've played killers, uh, lots of different kinds of... I've played a lot of bad guys um, who have done heinous crimes. But the one thing that I will not play is a character who commits crimes against children. I won't do it. Yes. I don't want those, I don't want those images in my head. I don't, want, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parent and... Uh, it's hard enough to turn the television on without having to flip the channel. I can't. Those stories come up, I turn the channel. It's not that I have my head in the sand, but I become incensed and then I can't sleep. So the fact that you all do this work and have the courage to do this work that is so necessary, I have nothing but endless respect for what you do and I thank you as a parent and as and as a citizen. Well, we have only about five more minutes left, so we're gonna move on. Francie? So, what I wanted to know is what motivated you to come here and speak for the Rape Treatment Center and the Chief's Conference on cases like this, and if it was Gail, the organizer, who put a gun to your head, <laughs> we're happy to let you plead the fifth. Nobody put a gun to my head. Um, I mean, this may sound empty to a certain degree. Look, there's a lot of celebrities, actors, musicians, what have you, who use their uh, celebrity as a platform, and I say, that's okay, you know? Um, I mean, sometimes in award shows, to launch a sort of a political thing, to me, I kind of go, well, oh, it's an award show. Just give the awards and be done with it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I feel very strongly, and I feel a responsibility because I play a I play a cop character, and people seem to enjoy that, and they're fans of my work. If I can take some part of that as um, and use it beyond just entertaining, to be a voice, to be an advocate for law enforcement. That's, you know, I say I'll show up to the opening of an envelope that has PD on it because I really believe that, A, I think right now, and as you all know better than anyone, society's relationship with law enforcement is fractured. For sure. And uh, for a multitude of reasons. But at the end of the day, the thing that I constantly remind people is that when something bad is going on, when I was a kid, I always think of the thing of, you'd see lights flashing and there'd be a crowd of people around. And you know, as a kid, you're curious and you go, what's going on, what's going on? And you'd look through the crowd and there'd be a police officer. And you would say, they know. They know what's going on. So. It's for me that the, the advocacy 
in whatever shape or form. Uh, it's, it's a privilege for me. Um, and uh, it's a small gesture. I mean, I'm, I'm just an actor, right? I don't, I don't risk my life. People talk about, well, that was a risky performance. And I say, really? Did you, did you light yourself on fire? Did you, were you dodging bullets? It's not risky. It's entertainment. That being said, I don't mean, I'm not diminishing what I do. Entertainment is, is an integral part of society, particularly when we're looking at stuff that's dark and sad and, 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 and troublesome. We need to be entertained, and, and I'm, I'm very happy that I can make a living doing that. But I support what you do, and my gesture is infinite. So I thank you. Thank you. And so last, <laughs> last question, and you really don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but how many times have you been- When you preface something like that, I know it's <laughs> gonna be some, go ahead. How many times have you been pulled over by a cop an LAPD cop or other area cop, and they say, oh, Harry Bosch, have a nice day. It's, it's happened. Okay, full disclosure. <laughs> um, last Saturday, I was with my <laughs> daughter, and uh, I'm, I was looking at a, a place, a, a new home that, that I'm renting for my family, and I don't know, I had an experience with the last car lease I had where somebody, it was, the car was being detailed, it was at some sketchy joint, there was some skelly guy had, I guess, done a, a rub off copy of my plate and they made a, made a false plate. I get a call from the PD and they go, well, your plate came up, um, well, we wanna to talk to you about this. Anyway, long, long story short, I then take my car to be detailed at a different place but now I'm paranoid. So I take the plates off of my car and I don't put them back on because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Full disclosure, I don't think, I, I think they've been off my car for over a year, right? <laughs> and because I lease cars, I, I always leave the little, you know, the temporary um, registration thing stuck to the window. So I pull around, I see a Shamu, two young coppers in there, probably in their maybe early 30s. And, you know, look at me. I, I look like I could be on a recruiting poster for Al-Qaeda, right? So I, I drive and I, and I bang a Yui and I go and I'm driving back and they light me up. And my daughter, uh, she goes, what's going on? I say, oh, oh, we're getting pulled over. And she says, oh, daddy, it's probably just LAPD guys saying hi, they're just playing with you. I say, yeah, you're right, honey, that's probably what it is. They pull the car over, and a uh, young officer steps up. Yep, license, registration, can I ask you a question, sir? Why, you have paper plates on your car and they look kinda old. And I say, yeah, they are, you know, that's, uh, and I tell them the story, yeah, license, registration, sure, I give them my license. I say, oh, honey, reach in the glove box, at the thing, she hands it to me, no registration. No registration, no proof of insurance. As your lawyer, I'm gonna say, maybe you should stop now. <laughs> no, it's, it already happened, it's okay. So now, now I've got a motor officer, um, I have a shield, right, that I have in my car. I never pull that. I, I, I don't do that. I, I would never badge a cop with it in, in, a, uh, in a traffic stop. I just wouldn't do it. 
but typically I'm clean shaven and I look like Harry Bosch. So cops see me and they, they give me a hard time. Um, but I've never been pulled over for a traffic violation and had a cop say, hey, Harry, it's more or less, I, cops just pull up and they give me the finger. A lot of them, you know, or they <laughs> laugh or, we, or I run into them in Starbucks. Anyway, the long short of it was, now my daughter gets anxious. She sees the other cop go around to the back of the Shamu, pop the trunk, and she goes, what is he taking out of the trunk? Daddy, you're going to get arrested? I said, no, don't worry. Call Uncle Tim. Call Uncle Tim. Call Aunt Mitzi. I said, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. She says, why do you keep putting your hands up on the dashboard? I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I watch too much television. What can I tell you? So the cops are being, they're totally sweet. And in the, com, in, in the process of the conversation, I don't remember what word I used, but I used some word that was very specific to cop lingo, and the cop goes, oh, you, you speak the lingo. And, and I said, yeah, and he said, how do you come by that? Now, I say, oh, well, I play, I play a cop. I'm an actor, I play a cop on TV. Oh, yeah, you do, really? And, and uh, I say, yeah, and he goes, oh, yeah, what, what show is that? Now he's kind of thinking that I'm a jerk, but I'm not putting it out there as commerce, right? What show? And I say Bosch, and he goes, "Oh, it's a great show. yeah, really. Who do you play on Bosch?" <laughs> <laughs> and I say, oh, "I play Bosch." <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, right." And he looks at me, and his face turns bright red. <laughs> and uh, he goes, "Oh, oh man." I said, "Look, I'm an idiot." Look, I said, "If I was pulling me over, I'd be in bracelets right now, or I'd be just." writing this one, here you go, here's another one, here's another one. And he laughs, he's kind of looking at me and he goes, I, I feel embarrassed. I said, no, forget it. I said, I just want to remind you though that I'm a D3 supervisor. <laughs> and he goes, I'm aware of that. And, and, and he says, uh, yeah, just don't tell the bosses. I say, it's all right, we're good. So they gave me a warning and sent me on my way. All right. So, Yay. Well, thank you so much. Titus Welver, Hieronymus Bosch, for being here today, and for everybody in the audience, thank you for doing what you do, and Gail especially, thank you Gail, and the LA Rape Treatment Center, and the Stewart House, and for now, thank you for listening. Till next time, signing off for Best Case, Worst Case. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production. Produced by Jim Clementi at Empire Studios LA. Engineered and edited by Mike Thal. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba. And hosted by Wonder. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Stories about child sexual abuse can make us feel powerless, but the good news is that there are organizations working to prevent abuse and keep kids safe. Darkness to Light and their Stewards of Children Prevention Training has trained more than 1.4 million adults to protect, recognize, and react responsibly to child sexual abuse. But there's more work to do, and with their 4 million by 2020 goal, Darkness to Light is setting their sights on training 4 million adults around the country to keep kids safe. 
By donating to Darkness to Light, you can help reach this goal that will make communities across the country safer places for kids. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org today to give. That's www.d2l.org. the number 2 l.org.